Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast of the Irish Examiner. Now on the 27th of June, Sonia Egan of The Lawn, Leas Cara, Killeen's and County Cork was jailed for two years for a campaign of harassment against former Sinn Féin TD Jonathan O'Brien and businesswoman Laura O'Connell. Both victims were bombarded with messages and texts and other forms of communications, thousands of them in total. And Miss Egan also posed as a barrister and investigative journalist when she first met Laura O'Connell. Sergeant John Sheehy told Cork Circuit Court that Miss O'Connell soon became apprehensive about Miss Egan and attempted to distance herself from her harasser. Miss Egan started posting messages on Facebook saying that Laura O'Connell was bullying her. Sonia Egan claimed on Facebook that she was being defamed and harassed by Miss O'Connell. She then created numerous fake Facebook accounts in order to post comments about Laura O'Connell. She also emailed numerous people making false allegations. In a victim impact statement, Laura O'Connell said that at 43 years of age, she was a broken woman on her knees because of Sonia Egan. And just to give you as a small sample of, of uh, Laura O'Connell's um, victim impact statement, I flinch with every outside noise, panic at the sound of a doorbell in fear it is her and those who follow her. I cannot go anywhere without having to assess who is following me or watching me. Cannot open social media without dreading what will be posted about me today. In addition to all this, Laura O'Connell says that she has incurred €26,000 in legal fees as a result of taking out an injunction against Sonia Egan. And Laura O'Connell is our guest today to talk about her experience and how she dealt with what sounds like a horrendous campaign of vilification. Laura, you're very welcome. Thanks, Mick, and thanks for um, having me on as well. Laura, we go back to the start. Um, where were you in life, so to speak, when you first encountered Sonia Egan? You, you work, I think, as a business coach and you're also involved in community work as well. Yes, um, I was involved in community work. I have stepped away from everything. Um, but at the time, I was actually getting my life back on track um, let's go back to six years ago. Um, I had a viral encephalitis, which is a virus in the brain. Brain swelled, face collapsed, memory went. It was a long two-year recovery. And being a lone parent and with an underlying disease called uh, Lyme disease, uh, after that two-year recovery, the best way for me to start moving forward was to set up my own business and start working for myself. And that was the time where I met Sonia. And how exactly did that meeting come about? 
It was a, a local community uh, group here in relation to an environmental matter. I would have gotten involved in the Residents' Association, organising uh, various different types of groups, voluntary work, cleanups, all that type of usual uh, community um, involvement. I, I was quite active. So at this meeting, Sinn Féin came along and they had organised for a lot of their members to come along. Sonia was a member of Sinn Féin and that is where I came across her. Now, I am not a nor was affiliated or a member of Sinn Féin. I was voted onto a committee like everybody else. And when the voting took place, that is when Sonia made a beeline for me at that meeting where she introduced herself as a barrister and investigative journalist, and she wanted to help us in our campaign. So the initial approach was basically just coming to you as one of the individuals who were involved in this campaign. That's how she presented herself. Correct. Yes. I didn't know who she was or why she was there. She didn't make any of that clear, but that she was here to help. Um, so the secretary would have taken her details. We would have set up the usual forms of communication. And then that's when all of that started then with herself. Okay, and then after that meeting, Laura, how did her contact with you develop? She became quite persistent um, in wanting to get involved, wanting to meet up, wanting to get active in A, B and C from the realm that she was introducing herself as. At this stage, when somebody's quite persistent and when this is a voluntary nature, Something, something wasn't resting with me, uh, and then she wouldn't agree or go along with the the rest of the agreements and groups, and was kind of going off doing her own thing. Um, and then she started to give legal advice, which is uh, actually when I met her in that capacity, along with somebody else in the group, and that's when I realised something is amiss. Here. So I naturally tried to distance myself. She wasn't allowing that to happen. And then I started to try to figure out actually who is this person. And that's when I found out the truth. So just in terms of, of the kind of general milieu, um, Jonathan O'Brien, who was the other victim of this, was he involved in the group as well? Like were you two in, in, in this particular thing? And, and you were the two individuals, it would seem, certainly to the extent that we know so far, are the two that she sort of honed in on in this kind of capacity? So Jonathan wasn't part of that group. TDs right. didn't attend that meeting. Right. It would have been local councillors, but very much railroaded by Sinn Féin. So just to kind of briefly go into the history, previously it was a whole community effort with just local residents. The second time that we were going to object to this planning application is when the Sinn Féin councillors came along. After that, then, I think I might have seen Jonathan at one or two meetings, but I don't really recall. Um, yes, I would have known Jonathan prior to this, as I would every other councillor and TD in my area. We would have all have worked together, uh, whether it was raising funds or doing something within the community. But in relation to Sonia, I had never met her or was even aware of her before. Okay, so you were now at a scenario whereby she, she kept contacting you and then 
uh, met on a couple of occasions and presented herself as having the interest in, in your campaign or, or, or whatever. And then she actually offered legal advice. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And it, it was at around that stage you began to wonder yourself, where's this woman coming from? Something was amiss. Uh, and in hindsight, at one of the public meetings, this is where we would meet with the with the locals and get everybody involved, make them aware of what was going on. And um, she turned up in a, with a barrister's cloak. And who comes to a local community centre with a barrister's cloak? So the, the alarm bells, as I said, were, were starting to, to go off. Um, and she, you know, I think after two or three encounters, I knew something wasn't right. Um, but rest assured, my gut feeling was right. And I was told then by the other Sinn Féin councillors actually who she was and who she was not. Right. So at that point, I suppose you realised, well, right, this is somebody to give a wide birth to. Yes. There might be something a bit uh, off about the whole thing. And you prefer just to keep your distance completely and let her on her merry way wherever she was going. Correct. Yes. But it didn't turn out that way. It didn't. So um, with with every message I was receiving, uh, I decided to reply with, I'm fully aware of who you are and you were not who you were saying you are and I have no more part to do with any of this. Um, and presumably, she, she, just for the record, she wasn't a qualified barrister. No, no. No, I mean, the idea of anybody turning up to a public meeting in, in a barrister's gown, God, that, that, that would set off alarm bells anywhere I can yeah. imagine. And the nature of the messages, say from an early stage, Laura, what was the nature of, of the messages she was directing towards you? So... After that message, where I called her out after that message is when it all got pretty uh, swampy, we'll call it. She was demanding answers. She was demanding responses. She was demanding to be involved, demanding, uh, very demanding nature. Who told you this? Why am I being uh, left out? Um, Just and then started to, you know, make up allegations about being bullied and about A, B and C. Um, So I just ignored them. And then eventually I got a suicide message from her. And then it was at that stage I was like, had enough, really. So I contacted the local guardian out of concern. They had received messages similar to what I received. And then after that stage, I wished her well and I informed her I was then going to be blocking her and having absolutely no contact with her anymore. And what you described as a suicide message, I'm assuming this was her threatening that she was going to take her own life unless A, B or C. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And you blocked her on your phone at that point when you realised, right, this is, I'm getting out of, get away from this completely. Yes. what happened after that? How did she contact you thereafter? Um, she got a new number uh, or she would contact me via Facebook or another social media platform. She would create numerous profiles pertaining to be various different types of people. Um, so people contacting me then on her behalf. And that is literally when it all started. And the more I was blocking her with every way that she could message me, that is when she decided to go very public on her own Facebook profile. And that is when all the damaging, destructive element of her behaviour started. So I was being accused of 
all sorts then at that stage, including bullying her, causing her to be suicidal or take an overdose or causing her to miscarry, um, being part of Sinn Féin bullying, all of these types of spurious allegations. And then from there, it just grew and became more aggravated. There were allegations made to the Gardaí. There were allegations made to Tussla. There were allegations made to various different people within the community about me. Then that moved on to business associates. Then wherever I would go, she would be there, whether it was in a work capacity or a personal capacity. And she was just everywhere online and then also in person. And that grew, uh, that took about a good nine months of that time. It grew over that the period of nine months to, to that level. And online now we're talking about social media forums yes. like Facebook, which quite obviously would be open or available to other people as well. They could view the spurious stuff that was being put up there about you. Correct. All her posts were uh, of a public viewing, so they weren't kept private or friends only. Uh, Tagging other types of conspiracy groups then grew into videos with other conspiracy groups and my photograph being put up there, my own, you know, link to profiles. I just shut everything down. Uh, Private information about me was put up there um, and it was I was just then becoming a victim and a target for every other type of conspiracy theorist to get their claws on, basically. And just, I'm wondering just about the the online stuff. When she was targeting you with this stuff and it was a public forum, as you say, there were others. Did other people respond sympathetic to you in any way or did they just seem to pile on in terms pile of what on. you... It was really? a pile on. And it was with those public posts then is where I became aware of Jonathan because you were often mentioned in the same posts. Um, and then that's where myself then and Jonathan made contact with each other. What is going on here? Um, and then that's when I became then aware of Jonathan's story and his experience to date. Um, and then I had but no other choice then but to go to the, the Gurdy. I'd already been to the Gurdy, um, but you have to make a few statements to build up um, a pattern and the nature, the evolving, the development of all of this. And I knew that would take a minimum of six months anyway. Um, but as I said, it was literally a pylon and a free for all that opened me up to a pack of wolves, to be honest. And I'll just come to the Guardian in a minute, but you're saying as well that physically, like you're going about your business in, in, in the city or wherever. Yeah. And uh, for example, you're meeting me about a, a business arrangement in a hotel. And you're saying that uh, when you're heading off somewhere like that, you turn around and she's there. Yeah. Yeah. She would turn up and sure, what could I do? Um, it was kind of try to pretend and keep going as best you can and professionally you can and not cause a scene. And that is then if she didn't cause a scene. Um, so and know. would some of those meetings, Laura, have been business, have been, have been work appointments and that sort of it thing? It could be everything and anything. It could be um, dropping my son off to local GAA training. It could be going to the chemist, going to the supermarket. It could be a business meeting. It could be something school related. Um 
I was going to college at the time. I I was going through a family law case at the time. Wherever she would just turn up in the most random of places. And would she approach you on these occasions or she'd just stand there to let you know she's there kind of thing? Majority of the time, no. She'd just stand there, watch and be set. And then there were other times, and I could never predict this, she would just start shouting and roaring and ranting and raving. Um, and that's then when where, where I would make a move. But majority of the time, it was just, I'm here and I'm watching you. Uh, and that was pretty creepy, to be honest. And quite obviously... In your scenario, you're there and you don't know whether she's going to start shouting or roaring apart from the, the, the un- completely unsettling feeling I can imagine for just being there. But you yeah. don't know whether... All right. Yeah. OK, and you went to the Gardaí. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you say, and, and I, can, I can understand that, that you, you, you'd have to uh, demonstrate some kind of a pattern to show that you were being harassed. And how did the Gardaí handle it? Um... I, I, there was a sergeant, John Sheehy, allocated to the case and credit where it's due to him. Um, he he had huge sensitivity, uh, huge bravery as well, knowing I didn't know fully at the time uh, who this person was or um, what was about her. But he knew um, and it was a very lengthy, arduous process of compiling all the evidence, getting all the Facebook posts, tracking everything, you know, bringing a diary around you. It just consumes you, to be honest. But he did an amazing job, uh, was always at the end of the phone as well and was always there, as was his team that were were, uh, helping him as well. So... Um, w- yeah. Would it have been, would it have been in, within his powers, or, or did he actually approach her and say, "Excuse me, you're harassing Laura O'Connell. Back off! I'm giving you a warning, etc." That kind of thing. Uh, she was arrested, and she was brought in for questioning, if memory serves right. And she swore an undertaking to stay away, and she didn't. The minute she was, once she'd aggravate her with something. That is then when it would cascade all around you, down around you again, and even get worse. So I think she had even videoed her arrest and put that up on social media. Was that her arrest? Yes. Um, and you know, and it's just, I'm being bullied. This is a conspiracy. They're all ganging up against me. And again, you were just thrown to the wolves in and around all of this. And I suppose two things. First of all, as we now know and as was stated in court, you're going through this and completely separately, Jonathan O'Brien is experiencing something similar in some instances, some of the testimony as bad, if not worse, in its own way. So you have these separate things going on. And that undertaking she had to give to the Gardaí, she quite obviously didn't keep it. Did they, out of that, have any power to bring her before the court in the capacity of not keeping to the undertaking or anything like that? So my understanding at this stage is we had to wait for the DPP. We have to wait for the file to be finalised and then that gets sent to the DPP. Um, And then if memories, the the reason it took length of time is we needed Facebook's cooperation in and around all of this. 
uh, and that took a considerable length of time um, as well. So then in the interim, I had no other choice but to go and seek injunctive measures because the undertaking didn't work. The arrest didn't work. Um, it aggravated matters, to be honest. And then it was it was injunction time, which um, when I first went about it, I reneged from that type of uh, remedial measure. But something must have happened that week to push me over the edge. And that's when, OK, I have no other choice here. This we have. This is the only other way at the time that we could see to get it to stop. So you're left in the position, as you say, you, you have no choice. You have to go to the civil court. An exercise that we all know is extremely expensive. Mm. Uh, you go in there and there's this hearing for an injunction. I, I'm guessing she wasn't present for that. Um. So this... The injunction took, by the time you do affidavits and file papers and serve it, um, she did, She never cooperated. There was another suicide attempt, inverted commas, um, and that delayed it and it was adjourned. But uh, it was me and three other people that sought an injunction. Um, yeah, and that didn't work either. She bridged it numerous times that she was actually imprisoned for a week um and then at that stage I and I, I just knew at that stage even this injunction isn't even working what's the point and in relation to the fees that you mentioned there Mick I was initially quoted three to five thousand euro as an estimation I was never made aware that fees would grow and develop and increase into a 26,000 euro bill um, it yeah, just got and, all uh, so complicated. And every time she uh, breached the injunction, presumably somebody on behalf, you would have to go into court and point this out to the court. And uh, that adds the cost again, I presume. Exactly. Uh, and then it was, uh, we were adding different entities and different people onto it. So uh, it was around that, in, around the injunction was the worst, most horrific time of my life. I had the craziest of people recording me going in and out of court, following me, threatening me in court, threatening my family. Um, I had to be guarded, escorted. It. I just got so scared. There were several videos and interviews then of her at that stage coming out 10 to the dozen, circulating, doing the rounds. And I had uh, I'd say every crazy in Ireland then at this stage was just gunning for me, to be honest. It was the most scariest time of my life, actually. God, yeah, it's, um, it's horrendous stuff. And when you say oh, there would have been other people with her allies, what you might call part of, consp we, we, we know now, mm. particularly these days, the nature of these conspiracy groups or whatever get together, they obviously were, were what you might call allies of hers in one capacity or another. Correct. Yeah. And spread the word that this person needed help and this person was being targeted and victimised and bullied. And um, yeah, so it just... And the pattern of her breaking the injunctions, she'd, she'd break an injunction, you'd go into court and then, as is the way with these things, she'd be given a week in jail kind of thing and she comes out and breaks it again sort of thing. Well, she did one stint in jail and I'm not sure was it the could have been initially after the first time. Um, 
or maybe the second or third time. No, I think she breached it a few times. But she would respond and react and send some sort of high court summonses to me then via the post. Which One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I had no idea then what she was doing. I was being attached to Garda commissioners and heads of political parties, and it just got so out of hand and ridiculous and so complicated that at that stage, as I said, I, I stepped away and she didn't appeal my injunction, but she did appeal others' injunctions. Um, and we needed Facebook's cooperation yet again. And they were pitiful, to be honest, during this process. They took no responsibility or accountability. Guards at this stage had gotten warrants and had seized all the electronic devices um and that's when we realized actually just how dangerous she was being they had evidence of messages and threatening messages and videos of myself and us and yeah to know what's really happening subscribe to the irish examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe And just one incident, and I won't go into it in any detail, but w- one person um, who was well known to her actually approached you in the house posing a, as a, a social worker. Correct, yeah. So I had a, a social worker who is who I now know wasn't a social worker, similar to a barrister, an investigative journalist introduction, um, uh, who was investigating numerous complaints about my parenting uh, in relation to my son. My son was doing his junior cert at the time. And as a lone parent, you're quite vulnerable to complaints going into social workers. And um, yeah, I even made them tea and they, I gave them a lot of personal and private information about me and my son and my family at the time. And I never put two and two together until I was asked to identify him months down the line. So it would have been six to eight months before I even realised and put two and two together 
who this person was inside my house. My God, and all this is going on and you're trying to get on with your life. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to get an income coming back in because with that two-year recovery, I'll be honest, I was after becoming dependent on St. Vincent de Paul, all my savings had been used up. I was in quite an unhealthy uh, state recovering. You know, when you have a collapsed face and memory and immune system shattered, it was kind of like a two-year COVID lockdown, um, which we've all now experienced. And I was just trying to get life back on track. Um, I'm very fortunate to have worked very hard at my career, have great background lots of degrees, well-educated, uh, great references, had really worked very, very hard to get to where I was. And that illness uh, took all of that away. So to kind of bounce back from that, it was it was self-employment. And when you're self-employed, all these court cases, these periods of dread and panic affects your mental health, psychologically, the impact at times it was just easier to hibernate and try and batten down the hatches and stay safe and that interrupted disrupted the drive that I had to succeed at what I was doing um a lot of the time as well well I can imagine it would anybody um Mm. it's and Laura again no I suppose there's 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 an easy answer to this why? I mean, of course, to qualify that, as you, as we know, we know of one instance anyway so far, and that is Jonathan O'Brien, that you were not the only one. So quite obviously there was more than you and there was nothing absolutely unique about you in terms of why you would be targeted. But apart from that, do you have any idea why you were one of the people that for whatever reason she got this into her head and decided she was going after you? I was racking my brain for years in and around this. Why me? What have I done? Um, you know, it was even at one point, uh, Jonathan's partner at the time had the same first name as me. Is that what it was? Um, in hindsight and through the investigation, it's when you stand up to her or anybody that takes a stand to her or call her, calls her out is you, you poke the bear, so to speak, and you aggravated her. Um, but for me, she was expelled from the Sinn Féin party because she was a member of that common. And it was an email of concern that I had sent Sinn Féin headquarters And I only found out a few weeks ago that that email was given to her by them. Therein lies the answer to that question. And I didn't have that answer for four years, Mick, till very recently. But do you think, and to be fair to Sinn Féin, I'm sure they they, they weren't acting other than with the best of intentions, particularly because one of their own prominent members was a victim as well. But notwithstanding that, do you think them sending that whatever the reason for it, that that added to her um, vigour and her intention to to pursue you? Yes, correct. Um, And they didn't act with any intention. Um, They used me as a scapegoat. They had several other complaints coming in from their own representatives and their own party. Um, I was used. I was an easy scapegoat for them to use um and I never saw them once support Jonathan uh through any of the injunction or the criminal process 
Okay, and I think just to be fair to Sinn Féin, because it, it, it is a very awkward situation, the whole thing, and quite mm. obviously you and me are here and not here to put forward what the story was. Yeah. And I believe that they are having some form of an investigation into it. Were you formed something to that effect? Only since Friday. I've raised it with the Data Protection Commissioner. Uh, they are in breach of GDPR and data, sharing information and private information. It was an email that I'd highlighted strictly private and confidential. Um, so now they've decided to look into that further. And do you feel aggrieved by the way they handle it? Extremely aggrieved, yeah. On a local capacity with the councillors, um, because there was a duty of care when you get involved in those types of community actions and especially from the committee and group point of view. But they, they, they could have done a whole lot more. They, from my point of view, they choose to turn their backs and I've never heard from any of them. Obviously, you know, myself and Jonathan have gotten to know each other through this. Um, he's been extremely supportive towards me. Um, but I've seen what it's, what it's done to him as well. Uh, and I never saw him being supported. So none of this makes sense to me why they chose to act in that way. Yeah, and I think fair to Jonathan O'Brien, from his time in politics, he has a reputation for being uh, somebody of integrity. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, a very genuine, integral guy, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I could well believe it. Um, so, moving on. And finally, we get to a situation whereby the, she's charged, she's brought to court. Um, did she plead guilty? She pled guilty, uh, which came as a surprise to me, actually. Um, she pled guilty she apologised, but her actions suggest otherwise. So on one hand, she pled guilty, but within 24 hours of her pleading guilty, she was contacting, you know, um, TDs and government and reporters to say she's not guilty. She was protecting somebody else. And again, the whole saga and drama and the legs that she adds on around it, um, and now she's appealed her sentencing as well. So are you guilty or not guilty? Yeah, and if you make an apology, normally mm. any effort you can to make amends comes with it, but doesn't seem to have been any any sign of that. No, and I, and I did put this into my victim impact statement and I'm having to come to terms with this, Mick. It's not going to end. And I know heart and soul, this is never going to end. There, I'm fearing there's going to be a, a revenge. Um, and I'm, you know, if there's going to be an appeal, what comes after an appeal? And uh, when is she going to let me move on with my life? Yeah, and just a brief passage in your victim impact statement, Laura, just because it touches on, on your own family. Uh, if you don't mind me, because I think mm. it really gets the hard things. During these last four years, my now 18-year-old son was sitting his junior cert and later on his leaving cert. A proud sporting young man to both his rugby and GA clubs, boasting high grades and All-Ireland medals. Sonia Egan made it her mission to stop this and hurt and cause harm to my son. His future has been impacted by Sonia Egan's behaviour, but he also had to witness his mother being torn apart to the point of collapse, which no child should ever have to behold. That's, I mean, as as you say, you're you're, you're a single parent. There's you and your son. That's um, mm, that's pretty yeah. raw. Jeez, that's that. You know, it's um, 
It, that was it was a really stressful time for my son as well. Um, you know, having bounced back from an illness where it was touch and go. And then he he's moving on with his life and he's getting the head down in school. But uh, it's I mean, it followed him into school. All of these public posts um, made him a victim of bullying and being accused of your mum is this and your mum is that and uh, within the community as well it's it's the rumours and the gossips and the the rejections that happen and people that keep a wide berth from you after everything we both had done here in the locality and then it was just this one person so quickly took that away from both of us and um yeah that was that was hard and apart from the 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 fallout from the whole thing for you uh Laura in in terms of your your um your disposition your mental health and all the impact it's had you've also been left with a legal bill now she was as i understand it there was a court order that she paid 25000 euro to you on the basis of uh, your legal fees and, and various costs that you had as a result of having to pursue injunctions. Did mm. you ever see any of that money? No. And yet no. you yourself have that measure of of, uh, of legal bills. Correct, yeah. And the whole criminal aspect of this focused on 2018 and 2019. There's been no mention of 2020 and 2021 and 2022. Um so, yeah, I, I'm now left with this legal bill. I can't afford to pay it. Um, it's people see businesswoman, but I'm not working the 40 to 50 hours. This has destroyed me mentally as well as my health. The worst thing for Lyme disease is stress. So, you know, combating all of that just kept making me unwell. We had COVID in the midst as well. Um, so I wasn't earning to the full capacity that I could have been earning at. Um, and I now have PTSD and, you know, that sets me back again. Um, and the solicitor has decided to execute a judgment against me. So here I am after four years of being bullied and harassed at my home and in my home. And now I've got this fear of sheriffs coming to my door to seize um, I don't own a property. I rent. My car was a 2010. Um, as I said, I was recovering from an illness, lone parent. I was already crippled as it was, but getting life back on track. I'm sure I will get my life back on track again, but right now it looks very bleak. Was there any small sense of closure with the sentencing and the knowledge that this woman now is committed to prison for two years? Well, uh, uh, on the basis that an appeal doesn't succeed and you're just leaving that for the moment and that, you know, come what may, perhaps when she comes out, she might just give you a wide berth. Do, do, do you have any sense of closure in relation to any of that? Um, and it's funny, it's it's weird because, and I discussed this with Jonathan as well, um, that day in court, I, you, I expected closure, but it was anything but. Um, I think... That needed to happen to allow the beginning of some healing process. Um, her plea of guilty and the sentencing, I have no faith in. Um, this could be, she could overturn this or something else could happen. And I'm afraid she'll get out on bail or now that she's appealed it, uh, panic mode has kind of stuck in again. What I did get from the core process 
reading out my own victim impact statement, which was extremely challenging and difficult emotionally. Um, that helped me feel heard and get my voice out there. And the judge, the judge acknowledging what I went through on a consistent basis, um, that has helped me to try and put one foot in front of the other now. But I have to be honest about it too, Mick, the, the courts need to do much better for victims and especially victims who are innocent and where a perpetrator has pled guilty. Um, like she now gets legal aid, top psychological care. I'm on waiting lists for my PTSD. I don't have legal aid and this is where it's all unjust and out of balance and it's not just the legal fees now it's all of the health fees that I've accrued up and the downtime with work and trying to get back out there and build up my reputation again um as I said it's I was able to get up and do it once before I'm not do sh- not too sure do I have that in me again but it's it is quite recent and it is quite raw um and as I've said to everybody I need all the help and support I can get to help me through this and to to move on from this as well and have you had help and support no nothing um I have to say the media um in all of this uh, have been super supportful and helpful I'm trying to find a solicitor who could possibly um look at this further for me as well um I'm now looking at to try to get some sort of a protection order if I can get that um and then GoFundMe has been suggested um but it's either I will go insolvent and go bankrupt which will affect my credit rating um and again it's it's I worry about the the toll this is going to take on my health as well how I'm still walking uh with Lyme and the stress of all of this I have absolutely no idea but digging deep but I need help for sure Yes, I can. I can see. I can see that to be the case. I mean, uh, as you lay it out, Laura, the injustice of it. I can see how that would burn. I mean, you're the victim, yet you're the one left with the health issues, with the financial mm. issues, which occurs when someone's been the victim of crime in various different capacities. But there are, one would hope, in some instances, that there, there's some support in that respect. But the nature of the crime that was committed against you, I just wonder, is it because it's relatively rare? The system has not responded and is not set up properly as it should be to mm. respond to people who've been the victim of something like that. For sure. Um, and I understand the DPP have to take their time, as do the guards when they're investigating matter, any matter, but it shouldn't take four years. And, you know, we, we see this all the time. And I shouldn't have to sit in a criminal court surrounded by other criminals either, because that day of sentencing was pretty unnerving with who I was sharing a room with as well. And that's not my world. And then, as I said, the the legal profession in all of this, um, 
you know, that solicitor is being very harsh on me now as well, knowing I didn't have the financial means or capacity. Um, but I felt I had no other choice and would have, could have gotten a loan for three to five thousand euro. I'm not going to get a loan for, it's now 28,000 euro and for this interest being added on um, for as long as that remains unpaid, I attempted to pay some of it, but I still have 28,000 and something to, to pay off. Um, and there's just no support. There's a criminal compensation scheme, but yeah. you must be physically assaulted. But there's nothing there for the the mental anguish and torment of online harassment and in-person harassment. Um, and as where I was never physically hurt, it has completely crippled me in every sense of the word, emotionally, physically, financially. My son is 19 now. I can't afford to put him into college. Um, I should be helping and supporting him to start on his next chapter in life. And it's it makes it harder to start over when you've got debt of this amount, along with the trauma of what I experienced and went through as well. And there's no support there. Um, and all I can do now is by speaking with the likes of yourself and speaking up about it, maybe somebody might have an idea or a suggestion. Um, but yeah. I would certainly hope so, Laura. Um because it is a horrendous situation that you've been left with. I mean, to be the victim of all that, to be put through that at, at, at your stage in life when you should be when you should be enjoying mm. family life and everything as you said, and your son finishing school and the whole thing yet to be landed with all that with the fallout from it, but and and yeah. as you say, yeah. in a technical sense, the the criminal injuries uh, compensation, which by the way is way out of time, it's it, there have been reports in the Law Reform Commission that that needs to be urgently updated. It hasn't been yet. But the point you make, you have to be the victim of physical violence to be able to avail of that. Well, you weren't literally the victim of physical violence, but the impact of what was done to you has had a massive physical and psychological, quite obviously, uh, mm. impact on you. And, and that needs to be recognised, absolutely, you know, definitely. Yeah. And as well, it's in terms of the injunction, nobody should have to go down a civil route because yes. a criminal system isn't there. All I wanted was protection and to get it to stop and feel safe. And nothing in the last four years, even the sentencing, you know, with, with the appeal, it's still not stopped. It's still not going away. Um, yes, it will certainly quieten her because she won't have access to a phone, I would imagine, or social media. But now I have to worry about, but who's going to be acting on her behalf? You know, what revenge is she going to seek now? Because I stood up to her and I've got that history with her. Every time I stood up, it cascaded into even more horrendous um, bullying. But um, it's, and I noticed as well as I talked to you, like I don't go into the, the details of certain incidents because I just can't. Mm, I can I'll just break down crying. Yeah. So I'm, I'm keeping it very generalised, but that's me trying to mind myself as well uh, whilst I process all of this. But um, the sentencing is a start of the, the healing process and um, speaking up helps me as well. 
Laura, thanks very much for speaking up because I think it's important that um, somebody who's experienced something like you that it gets out into the public and that we're made aware of it. And particularly areas like support, hopefully, in some capacity can um, can be accessed in some way. And um, look, all the best with your healing because God knows after what you've been through, you deserve no less. And hopefully, perhaps something might be able to be done in terms of addressing some of the, of, of the issues you've been left with as a result of being subjected to that criminal harassment from yeah. this woman. Laura, yeah. thank you very much for talking to us today. Thank you, Mick. Cheers. Uh, I'd also like to thank our engineer, JJ Vernon, as always, folks, and thank you for listening. Um, I hope people who've listened to that can uh, realise how serious a story it is and whether or not something can be done for people like Laura. We'll talk to you again soon.